longer you serve him, the longer and better you'll find out that he is good. That there might be some rough patches, but that's because he's not, that's not him not being good. That's just us living in a fallen world. He will make everything turn around for good for those who love him. Every single thing in your life. You just got to keep pressing on. You got to keep asking God to give you what's next. Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name over every single one of these saints, God, that you would fill them with your power this year. God, that as we worship out of 2022 and into 2023, that you would release a supernatural fire on every single one in here, everybody watching online, everybody that calls Eternity Church their home, here, online, in Audubon, in Owine, wherever we go, Lord, that they would receive your power to do good works everywhere they go. God, that they would bring the gospel, that they would bring healing, that they would bring joy and love and hope and peace, and that over their families, they would be able to say, it's for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. High five your neighbor as you have a seat and tell them, do something that pleases God today. Or tomorrow, today's almost over. You still have time today. I've got a ton of scripture and it's all right in the middle of my sermon, so I'm not gonna ask you to stay for the whole, or stand up for the whole thing. I hope you stay for the whole thing. I hope you don't walk out on me. I hope it's not heretical. I went to Bible school, so I'm pretty sure it's accurate. Pastor Rob, if, if it's bad, just walk out on me, okay? I'm just kidding. He's actually planning on walking out later, so if he does that, that has nothing to do with what I just said, just so we're clear. <laughs> well, welcome to church. Uh, we're so glad you're here tonight. My name's Sean. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm the campus director, so I'm overseeing Audubon and Owine next year. And we're hoping to actually launch a third campus next year that's kind of on the down low. And so Easter of 2023, we'll be launching our online campus, and hopefully sometime in the fall we'll be launching our third, actually it'll be our fourth campus if you count this one, which is pretty amazing, right? Like people just want Eternity Church wherever they hear about us. They're excited about it. Hey, will you come here? And we're like, yeah, sure, someday. I'll tell you what, we're actually already getting heat in online. <laughs> There's some people who don't want us coming. I think it's because they know we're going to radically change their city. We're going to point them towards Jesus, and it's going to be good. And so we're just really excited about that. If you're new tonight, after service is over, out those doors to the right, we have our new Connections Lounge. I hope you'd stick around and fill out that stuff so we can bless you. We don't want to, like, spam you with emails and phone calls and everything. We just want to connect you with our church because we have some amazing pastors on staff, and we want to get you connected to those people because they're going to help you grow closer to God, grow closer to your church, and be all who God's created you to be. Amen? And before I get going, I would be remiss if I didn't just say a big thank you to Pastor Jesse and Pastor Lauren. I tell you what, we have the best pastors I have ever, not just, yeah, come on. Not just best pastors that I've ever served with on a church, but best pastors I've ever been to their church. Like, he doesn't just live it on Sunday mornings when he's preaching, man. Every single place he goes, he's looking for conversations to tell people about Jesus. He's look everywhere he goes, it's actually kind of annoying. Like, I've, I've gone with him to California a couple of times, and I just want to relax. And he's always looking for people to tell about Jesus. And I feel like a sinner and a guy that's going to hell when I'm like, oh, Jesse, can we just go sit in the hot tub? But he's always finding people to witness to and to tell about Jesus. And it's, honestly, it's refreshing. I love it. I love that I serve under, under a guy who's just so passionate about winning souls for the lost. Not just from the stage, but literally everywhere he goes. It's such a blessing. And, and Pastor Lauren, what can I say? She just gets me. Um, yeah, our humor is just, boom, right there. Two peas in a pod it is. But um, on to the sermon, shall we? 
yeah, if I get distracted, which I tend to do, especially when I'm on, I'm on prednisone, which I am, um, just say, hey, Pastor Sean, get back to it. That's where, that's where uh, Jesse and I kind of are similar in that regard, is that when we're on prednisone, Lauren calls it prednisone mind, and we just get super hyper-distracted, and there's really zero filter, and so if I say something inappropriate, I'm really sorry ahead of time. It's the prednisone talking. I love Jesus, I promise. Um, I do have some things in the beginning part of my sermon that um, my kids especially probably won't like, um, but Emily, sorry, Jaden, sorry, I still love you. Um, just know that it's, it's from a place of love, okay? Cool. My beautiful wife, Holly, Emily, her little bestie, Sylvie, over there, Jaden and his little bestie, Stevie. I love them so much. They're great. Uh, but we're going to get into it. Speaking of my kids, anybody ever have kids draw them a picture or make them art or build them something and bring it to you like it was the best thing in the whole world? Yeah? Raise your hands if you're that parent and you've had a kid bring you something and they're like, Dad, look at this. Isn't it awesome? And you're sitting there and you're like, no, but thank you. But seriously, though, right? It's, it's not good art. Like, it's crap. Like, that's never going to go in the Louvre, right? I don't think I'm being too harsh here. Everybody's looking at me like I'm a horrible person for admitting this from a, a microphone. Like, I love you, Emily, but this, it's not good. It's like, it's just, it's finger painting and, like, clay that was spun on a thing that looks like a Tyrannosaurus Rex did it. And, it, and they fired it, and they put their best into it. And, and to them, it's good. It's the best they could bring, right? But if you look at it, and you're being honest, it's not good art. It's not good. I mean, Scott, back me up here. He's the professional clay thrower, right? Is that what you call yourself? A potter? You are a literal potter. You've seen some kids work that's just like, come on, guys. What's that? It's all good. It's all in the eye of the beholder. Okay, well, how about, how about you ever have a kid bring you flowers from outside, right? They're out in the yard. They're picking these dandelions and those little puffball things that you blow on. What are those called? Those are dandelions? I thought the flower was just a dandelion. The puffball's called a dandelion too? See, I don't know. I, I don't grow things. I grow children. That's the only thing I grow. So dandelions, okay? And they bring you inside, and you're sitting there thinking, oh, cool, you just picked that and spread more weeds in my yard. I've literally been working all year to get those out of my yard, and now you're spreading them everywhere and bringing them into my home. Thanks. That's great, guys. Really appreciate it. And I'm, like, seriously, I, I just want it to be gone. Or how about other people's kids? Like, I've been a kid's pastor. Levi, you can attest, you get given a lot of art. Probably some paper airplanes. None of them good. Like, they fly two feet and then, right? Like, there's great, like, thank you. I'm grateful. Like, and I'm excited in the moment. Like, oh, thank you so much. That's beautiful. Thank you. But I'll be honest with you. Most of it, every single piece of it gets thrown in the trash. Not right away. Not right, like, not like oh, it's crap, kid. Try again. Like, eventually, down the road. Okay? Not right away. First, it goes on the fridge. And then something more important, like the calendar, gets to replace it, right? Um, <laughs> I've been given a lot of art, a lot of paper airplanes. I've gone to a lot of kids' sporting events. I've gotten a lot of kids' birthday parties. I actually tore my Achilles tendon at a kid's birthday party. I blame that on your children. And I'm grateful that they thought of me to do that. But it's just not good art. It's not good. They were really excited, so I pretend to be really excited. Look what I drew for you, Pastor Sean. Isn't it great? Not really, but thanks, I guess. 
forget about me going to kids' sporting events. Like, I tried that for a while. It's, I almost got kicked out of one. Look, I, Lita, my homegirl, she was playing soccer. She kicked the ball, hit another kid on the other team's leg, went out of bounds, but they gave the throw in to the other team. Let's just put it this way. I was unaware up to that moment that you could give a yellow card to somebody in the audience, somebody watching the sport, not just like a kid playing or the coach, but I got a yellow card for yelling at the ref. I was unaware you could do that. Sometimes, you know, I, I kind of feel like that's how God looks at me when I do stuff for him, though. Like one of those little kids bringing me something, and I'm kind of annoyed and placating their approval. Sometimes I feel like that's how God might look at me, right? Like he's not really pleased with it. He's just placating my need for approval, right? Like he's just like, ah, uh, okay, cool. Thanks, I guess. But I've seen better. God, I preached another great sermon for you, and somebody gave their life to you this week. Did you see what I did? Wasn't that great? Wasn't that awesome? God, I worked really hard for you this week. Did you see? God, I didn't look at that thing this week that I've struggled with looking at for a really long time. Did you see that I I didn't do that this week? Aren't you proud? Aren't you pleased with me? And you know, I've never really struggled with the false belief that I had to work to earn God's love or work to earn God's salvation. But I've definitely believed that the harder I work for God, the more spiritual gold stars I earned and the more pleased he'd be with me. I've definitely believed that. Anybody else? The problem with that thinking is that during spiritually dry seasons, I felt like I must be disappointing God somehow. I must be doing something wrong. Like his pleasure in me was based on my performance for him. I've definitely felt that a time or two. And we do that, don't we? I'm not the only one here who does that, right? We know we don't have to earn God's love. We know we don't have to earn his salvation, but we act like we have to earn his pleasure. We do something good and think, God, did you see that? Did you see that, Lord? I prayed for my friend at work this week. God, did you see? God, I brought my Bible to school this week, and not just the one on my phone, like the paper one, and I had it on my desk all week. I even got a side glance from a librarian. Did you see that, God? I must be getting God some some Jesus brownie points for that one, right? Oh, Lord, I signed up to work in Little Legends this week or in Kids Church. Did you see that? I got to sit with those kids for an hour and a half. Or when Pastor Sean preaches, an hour. (laughs) God, I held the door for that single mom at the gym this week. Did you see? Did you see what I did? I served twice at Food Bank this month, God. And one of those weeks, it was negative 40, and my midriff was showing. It was so cold that I almost froze in half. Surely you saw that one. Or, goodness, Lord, did you see the size of my bold pledge? You've got to be happy with that, right? Like, it had four digits. It had a comma in it, Lord. It was so good. Did you see that? Or maybe you look at it the other way. You have a lackluster performance. Maybe you don't do something quite so hot. You do something that you see is wrong and think, oof, Please tell me you didn't see that, Lord. Please tell me you were too busy doing something else right then, God. Looking at something you shouldn't have. Oh, God, please tell me you didn't see me do that. Or maybe you cut somebody off in traffic or somebody cut you off in traffic. You lost your cool. Come on, he's way too busy to care about how I treat others in traffic, right? He didn't see that. Freaking out on one or all of your kids. Surely no one here is guilty of that, right? No? All right, good. That's just me. Good. Don't call me Shirley. 
lying, cheating, stealing. Oh, God, please don't tell me you saw that. He must be so disappointed in me because of my failures, my bad performances. So church, can we earn his pleasure? We know we can't earn his love. There's nothing we could do to earn his love. There's nothing we can do to earn his salvation. But can we earn his pleasure? Is there anything we can do to earn God's pleasure? Or are the good deeds we do, like Isaiah says in chapter 64, we have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. That's kind of rough. Not just your bad deeds, your righteous deeds are like a polluted garment. That's kind of strong language, Lord. Good place to start would be the word, right? So God was pleased with some of the characters in there, right? Like surely God was pleased with some of the people in there. And so I searched and I scoured and I found three. I was a little disappointed, I'll be honest with you. I thought I was going to have a list of characters that God was pleased with. Now, don't get me wrong, there were qualities of people's lives that God said he was pleased with, and he was excited about stuff some people did, but there was only three people that I could find at least, please prove me wrong, because that was really disappointing, but there's only three people that God directly said he was pleased with them as people. So let's look to the book and see if there were anybody who pleased God. Who are those three? Um, let's see, first was Enoch very first chapter, or first book of the Bible, Genesis, right? We learn about Enoch from this, uh, uh, this genealogy that we're learning about in, through Genesis. But in Hebrews, it talks about how it says in, uh, that Enoch walked with God, and he was no more because God's, God was pleased with him, right? Enoch literally got taken up to heaven because he pleased God. God walked with Enoch and was like, you know what? You're too awesome for this place. Bloop, you're with me now forever. That's kind of wild, like, he must have been pretty awesome. But let's be honest, since we're all still here, we can assume none of us are as pleasing to God as Enoch. The next one is Moses. It says in Exodus that he found favor in God's sight. Some translations say that God was pleased with Moses. But Moses was one of the greatest patriarchs in the history of the faith. He led thousands out of slavery in Egypt and was one of the forefathers that led them towards the promised land. He didn't get to go there because he messed up, Right? But God still said he was pleased with him. But those are some pretty seriously high standards. I don't feel like I hit any of those bullet points. You? So I'm going to count him out. And those are our only two Old Testament examples of people God was pleased with. Really exciting message tonight. Really uplifting and heartwarming, isn't it? All right, let's go to the New Testament. Surely the New Testament has more. Uh, no, actually, we've only got one, and his name's Jesus. Right? Luke 3.22 says, And the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven. You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. I don't know about you, but when I read that, I stop and I think, well, duh, it's Jesus. <laughs> of course you're pleased. It's Jesus. It's God's one and only son. He's perfect. Of course you're pleased with him, Right? He's literally God's one and only son. He would never look at me that way. I mean, I've got so many flaws and weaknesses. I've got to apologize to my wife on an almost daily basis. <laughs> Holly, I'm so sorry that you married this. I am a wreck. I'm a mess. I thank you that you said yes and that you are stubborn and you'll never divorce me because of your stubbornness, not necessarily your love for me. I'm so grateful. <laughs> That's not true. She does love me. She's great. But did you know that that's exactly how God sees you? When he looks at Jesus and said, with you I am well pleased, that is exactly how God looks at you. Once you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, everything that God sees in Jesus 
he now sees in you too. Colossians 3 says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You are no longer you. You are a new creation. Your life is hidden in Christ. His righteousness is now your righteousness. His joy is now your joy. His right standing before God is now your right standing before God. His love is your love. His pleasure is now your pleasure. You don't believe me? Check out Galatians 2.20. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. It is by faith that we've become his children. You can't prevent it or take it away. You are a child of God through faith in Jesus. It's an insane thought that God would look at me as one of his children. If you could see my life play on a movie, you'd be like, there's no chance that guy loves Jesus. There's no way God loves that guy. But he does. He looks at me and he looks at you like, he's, like you're one of his children. I love 1 John 3.1. It's one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. It says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God. He's emphasizing the point again and again to make sure we get it. And what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. All who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Yeah. This purification that he speaks of, it's, it's an immediate and continual process. It's called sanctification. Anybody heard of the word sanctification? Yeah. G, uh, Jesse's brought it up a couple times. I'm going to kind of dig into it a bit here. It means to be set aside for a special purpose, both immediately and continually. It is a, an in-the-moment thing, but it's also something you have to choose to do every single day. The moment I give my life to God, he sees me as holy and special, just like his son. He sees me and he sees Jesus. But there's some more work that needs to be done yet to reveal to the world what's already happened inside of me. To God, he sees me as Jesus, but you still see Sean. I need to make sure that you don't see Sean anymore. You see Jesus. That when you look at me, you see God's son. You see somebody who's trying to be more like Christ. We have this already and not yet nature to us. And he explains it in Ephesians, how that works. Ephesians 4, 17 to 24, this is going to be the main text for today. So if you're taking notes, write down, make sure you write down Ephesians 4, 17 to 24. It's a great explanation. Here's what he says. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. In the futility of their minds, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ, assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him, as the truth is in Jesus, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds, and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. This putting off of your old self and putting on your new self is an interesting language that Paul's using in the Greek here. The verb Paul uses here is called an aorist infinitive form. 
it's an interesting verb. It's, it, think of taking off your old self like taking off an old dirty coat. I need my dirty coat, Pastor Jenna. I didn't want to bring this up here with a nasty bag on, in it, but I have a dirty coat here. It's an old, old coat that I just found somewhere. I'm not going to tell you where I found it because it wasn't great, but it's dirty and it's old. I'll tell you that. Um, I'm going to put this on, so give me a sec. It might take a minute because it's literally got holes all over. life looks dirty, it looks old, it looks mangy. I kind of look like I'm on a Jamaican bobsled team that just got in a bar fight with the Swiss. Any 90s kids get that reference? Come on. Cool runnings, baby. Feel the rhythm. Feel the rhyme. Now you know the rest. But instead of just ripping it off all at once, it's like you're taking it off one thread at a time. So this immediate and not yet nature to us, it's like I, I love Jesus, I'm saved, Jesus sees me as perfect, but you all still see this old dirty coat. And so this verb that Paul uses, it's like you're taking off the coat and God sees you as clean, but to the world, you've got to keep revealing more of Jesus. And so you've got you've to kind of rip it and, and just kind of take it off piece by piece. Every morning you wake up, you say, all right, God, what are you working on me today? Right. Kind of came off. Sort of. Slide it to the back. Kind of fancy-like. Think of it this way. At the moment you surrender your life to Jesus, you're a brand new creation on the inside. You're living for Jesus by faith. The inside is shiny and new and beautiful. God sees you and he sees his son. Perfect. But you've still got this old dirty coat on. Every day, wake up, decide that more and more of this has got to come off. So I've just got to keep tearing. And some days it's going to feel like you were just able to just rip it off and you're done, right? And you feel good. You're like, you had a great day. Maybe you went to a conference or Pastor Jesse preached an amazing word. And you're like, man, that was awesome. I feel like a new person. And then you wake up the next day, and lo and behold, the coat's it's still on you. Wait, how did, how did that happen? I thought I threw that off yesterday. It'll feel easy, but the longer you have a relationship with Jesus, the more you realize that it's easier said than done. That some days it's going to be easy to rip off parts of your coat. And then there's going to be some day where you're just going to strive and strain to tear off a small section because it's going to be difficult. Why must it be done in faith? Because you don't know what the removal of the coat's going to feel like. You don't know what the removal of the coat's going to reveal. You don't know what the removal of the coat's going to cost you. Sometimes it's going to be kind of painful. Sometimes it's going to hurt others. That addiction that you thought only you struggled with might hurt some of your family members when it's revealed. That, uh, that debt that you built up when you realize, oh, I've got to get this under control and I need help, that's going to be painful for some people. It may not be hard at first. Maybe the beginning just means going to church more. And that's easy when you go to church like this, right? Like, oh, sweet, God, I could just rip that off. Just kind of feel like Hulk Hogan there. That was cool. That's easy to take off, Lord. Amen. But it's going to get harder. God, I don't want to remove that thread. That one's the crush that got me through my divorce. God, that thread's going to sting a little bit. I don't know if I can rip any more of this off without the whole thing coming off. Sometimes you've got to get drastic with your coat. I almost spoke into the night. That would have 
that would have been bad. I'm going to set that right there for now. Maybe this thread is the addiction that makes you feel better when life isn't going so great. Oh, hey, this thread reveals more of God when I dig into his word and learn his truths. That was kind of cool. But you still have stuff kind of covering what God wants to reveal, right? Removing this thread of selfishness, selfishness maybe helps me become a really cool youth leader. Hey, you'd like that, right, Pastor Connor? Want more youth leaders? Maybe I was holding on to that thread for a long time, but, but removing all these other threads, it, it gives me understanding, it gives me hope that maybe this next thread won't be quite so painful. And I know that since I have faith in God that he's going to take care of me, removing some of these harder threads won't be quite as, I mean, they still are going to hurt, but I know God will turn everything for my good if I love him, right? The faith that I show I have in God to continually keep pulling off these threads and revealing more and more of Jesus, that is what pleases God. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. Faith is what separated regular Joes from Moses, from Enoch, from Elijah, from Paul, from Jesus. Hebrews 11, it's the, it's the book in the New Testament that talks about the, the fathers of the faith and the mothers of the faith from the Old Testament. It says, by faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So faith is what separates you from everyone else. And that is what pleases God most. You fully relying on his son, fully relying on him. You don't have to earn his pleasure, church. He is pleased. He's pleased with you because of who you are in Christ. One of my favorite movies, anybody seen Batman Begins? It was the first Christian Bale Batman movie. Come on, like towards the end of the movie, he's on the rooftop with his kind of girlfriend, kind of not. And she's like, you could die, at least tell us who you are. And he says this line that's a really great line. It's not who I am underneath, but what I do that defines me. I'm like, that's a sweet line. Completely unbiblical, but a really cool line. Because it's actually the opposite. It's not what I do, because I can't earn my way there. It's who I am that defines me. It's who I am in Jesus. Because Sean can't get there. Sean can't earn his way to love or salvation or pleasure in God. I can only rely on Jesus and my faith in him to get there. When my kids bring me flowers from the yard or, or a piece of art that they just did for me, it's not the quality of the gift that makes me take joy or pleasure in them. It's the fact that they're my child and they're bringing me their best. They're trying their hardest because they love me. And they know I want to take pleasure in them. The objective quality of the gift doesn't matter to me as much as the heart of the giver. Our gifts, our sacrifices, our work that we do or don't do have no impact on God's pleasure with you. You can't earn his pleasure. He is pleased. He looks at you with so much joy. He looks at you with so much pleasure because you're trying your best to reveal more and more of his son in your life. The fact that you're his daughter, you're his son, brings him all the pleasure he needs. It's not in the works that you do. It's in your sonship or your daughtership. We don't need to earn his pleasure. He is pleased. When he sees our faith, he is pleased. 
When he sees us put our faith in his son, he is pleased with us completely, right then, right there. And he's still pleased when we show our faith throughout our lives. When he sees us lay aside our wants for his, he's still pleased. When he hears our faith-filled prayers, he's still pleased. When he sees us lay aside our former self step by step in faith, knowing that his son will be more revealed in us, he's still pleased. Church, stop striving to earn something that already belongs to you. You've already got it. You don't got to work for it. He is pleased in you. Our gifts might look to others like weeds or Picassos with noses where ears are supposed to be. But to God, it is a fragrant offering. He sees flowers where we see weeds. He sees beauty in your brokenness. He sees you putting your faith in him knowing that you can't get there, but putting your faith in Jesus knowing that he can get you there. A beautiful sacrifice, a wonderful love song written from the pains and joys and losses and triumphs of our hearts. Our outer layers may look tattered and torn and ripped to shreds, but that's good. Because the more and more you remove them, the more and more you'll look like who is supposed to be in you. I mean, that duct tape really destroyed my life. Well, that sucks. You get the point, though, right? It's Jesus, the line of the tribe of Judah, living inside you already. You don't got to protect yourself. You just got to let the lion out of the cage, man. I can imagine there's people in here who never understood that God is pleased with them. He is. Maybe you've stopped pulling off that old coat because it's just too hard. It's too painful. Maybe that addiction's comfortable. But I'm here to tell you, keep pulling. Keep ripping. Keep removing. It's so worth it. It's so worth it to have Jesus more revealed in you. If you're here today, would you all stand up with me? If you're here today and you're thinking to yourself, you know, there's some pieces of my old coat that I've been neglecting to remove for whatever reason. Would you come find the altar? Let our prayer warriors pray with you. They can help. You can lean on them. I'll be honest, they can't remove your coat for you. They can't rip off your coat for you. They can't even take pieces off. But they can stand alongside you. They can remind you that you're not alone, that they've got old coats on too. That sometimes it might just be a thread. You pull that thread out, and now that thread's gone. You're like, oh, thank you, Jesus. Just that little bit more of Jesus shining through. And that's a great resource to have. A prairie warrior that'll come alongside you and hug you. And it doesn't matter how stinky your coat is or how old it is or how tattered it is. They'll put their arms around you and hug you and pray for you and encourage you and remind you that you're not alone. So the altars are open. If you've got part of your coat you need to rip off, come get some help. Let us pray with you. There's power in knowing you're not alone. But there's another group of people I want to pray over tonight, and that's those who had no idea that God could be pleased with you. You had no idea coming to a church that maybe you saw online or you, know, you saw an ad on Facebook or something and you showed up. You had no clue that God could take pleasure in you. You've had a past that you don't want to share with anybody. You haven't even told your closest friends about that part of your past. Well, I'm here to tell you that if you put your hope and your faith 
in Jesus, your past is irrelevant. He'll help you take that coat off, step by step. Then you won't get any judgment from us, because we're taking off our coats too. The Bible says all you got to do is believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you will be saved. It doesn't say that if you have a tattered past or if you're a drug addict or a, a prostitute, nah, that, it doesn't cut it for you. Jesus' blood doesn't go quite that far. No, that's crap. Jesus' blood wouldn't have been worth it if he couldn't cover all of us. Right? So it doesn't matter what your past looks like. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what something's been done to you. Jesus loves you. And he wants to help you. Thank you so much for listening to this message. If you enjoyed it, please check out our other episodes. If you would like to connect with Eternity Church, be sure to go to myeternity.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at My Eternity Church. We'll see you next week. Love you heaps.